It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Cincinnati Bengals move to 6-4 and four on the season after registering another road win, James Rapine. And it's 32-13 to 13 over the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm your host of the Lockdown Bengals podcast, Jake Lisko. He's your host of the Lockdown Bengals podcast, James Rapine, if he ever sits in his chair. Anyway, doing his customary pre-show dance, if you're watching on YouTube, convincing win. For the Bengals, doesn't get close <laughs> to the over-under that Vegas set at 50. So Ooh. a little bit of a lower scoring affair than I think we expected. But the Bengals now 4-2 and two on the road in 2021 after Zach Taylor couldn't buy a road win. And not only that, they're, they're at six wins now, which matches, of course, Zach Taylor's total in two years. And this time, he only needs 10 games. So... Obviously, a much more successful season this year and a very, very big win. And the win probability model in the in the Super Bowl, not Super Bowl, playoff probability model at 538, this win gets the Bengals right back to a coin flip to make the playoffs, whereas if they lose, it's more like a, a 25% chance. Very uphill battle. So massive win for the Bengals in Vegas. Yeah, it's huge. Just huge, Jake. And I don't think anyone really saw 32-13 uh, when we were going into that fourth quarter and then it's 16-13 with about nine, ten minutes left in the fourth, maybe it was 12, something like that. And, and the Bengals, uh, the offense put it away. But the the surprise to me, and it won't shock our listeners, is what the defense did today. And really from the jump, the get-go, Joe Burrow's fumble, that there's uh, a ton of momentum for the Raiders. If they can punch it in, I would have targeted Darren Waller three times, by the way. If I was the Raiders, but, you know, they didn't hire me to be the offensive coordinator. So it is what it is. That being said, uh, the defense stepping up, they they did their job. And there was never really a time, even when it was 16-13, where I thought like, oh, man, the Bengals are in trouble. Even when the defense gave up, you know, that really long touchdown drive and it was three plays, I was, I was like, man, it, they just – it felt like they were in control of this game. And obviously it looks like a blowout out the en- at the end. But uh, certainly a, a much-needed win when you look at the standings. And I think the how matters and, and how they won, uh, I think, bodes well, not just numbers-wise, but when you look at who they're going to be going up against in the next few weeks, the fact that they won ugly, the fact that they had to rely on the running game, the fact that Burrow wasn't necessarily great today, and they still found a way to win on the road against a team that was desperate. But you know who looked more desperate? The Bengals. And I, I was curious – to see how how much urgency they would come out with. And I thought they they handled it well, and, and they handled the adversity well when things didn't go their way on Sunday, and they came up with a big win. They've got a little bit of Zach Taylor to them as a personality, this team. We talked earlier this year about how they've kind of taken on the most powerful personality between the head coach and the quarterback, and they've got a lot of Joe Burrow to them, absolutely. And I'm not saying that there's any less of that, but in terms of that even keel, that, that yep. unflappableness, 
that both Joe Burrow and head coach Zach Taylor have, I think you started to see the team take that on a little bit this week where in the pregame, CBS talked about, you know, the, Ra- the, the Raiders really need this one, even though both teams are five and four in like identical situations in terms of the playoff picture. I get the sense that the CBS guys, when they were talking to these teams, got more of a sense of desperation from mm-hmm. from the Raiders. And the Bengals, to me, this felt workmanlike. And, and as you said, even when it was 16-13, I had some doubts at that point. I was thinking, well, they need a touchdown here. Field goal, then I'm really not so sure how things are going to go. But they come out with this this workmanlike performance where they lean on the defense, as you said. They lean on the running game, as you said. They overcome their issues at tackle, where Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe, I think, definitely got the best of Jonah Williams and Riley Reef, particularly Riley Reef and and uh, and the the right side of the offensive line. But Joe Mixon has a great game. They stick with the game plan in the running game. Mm-hmm. They find some success off of play action under center, although it was sparing. And in a game where they were actually outgained on a yards per play basis, they, they took care of the ball after the, the first play, the first drive of the game, which triggered some PTSD for me. And I'm sure a lot of other Bengals fans and then <laughs> end up getting a couple key takeaways to really ice the game later. And we were, we've talked about, you know, go back to the previous iterations of good Bengals defenses. They had the Carlos Dunlap, the Carl Lawson, the guys that could get those sacks to put the game away. And this week, Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson, go back-to-back mm-hmm. sacks on back-to-back plays in the big strip sack or, or sack fumble and recovery and run for Sam Hubbard to get them over the 30-point mark at the end. At that point, the game's in garbage time a little bit, but there's a chance. People in my replies are saying, oh, it's not garbage time. Come on. The Raiders have three timeouts and it's a two-score game. Well... <laughs> that's uh that's not how it ended yeah it, and it it felt like garbage time at that point you're right but really it, it didn't have to be but that that to me is a testament to where this Bengals defense how they played because outside of that one drive where where it was Darren Waller Darren Waller and then I, I forget the guy's name that got the fade the 19-yard touchdown but it was just so quick other than that and that's what I expected to see it, they were uh they were buttoned up and workmanlike is a good way to put it because this team, it, it didn't feel like they were emotional going into this game where it was like, you know, they were wearing their emotions on their sleeves, good or bad. I, I think it was very, all right, let's go out there. Let's go beat this team. This is what we need to do. And Joe Burrow, after the game, talked about it. You mentioned staying with the run game. Talked about how they knew, one, they might have some negative runs. I think Taylor actually said that. But two, they knew it could be ugly and it could be one of those games early on given – how this defense plays it. And I think they were very aware that if they get down, if Joe Burrow has to throw it 50 times, that is not the recipe. You mentioned game script when we were, we were talking about the, uh, we were previewing this game. Bengals are very aware of that. I think that's why you had Joe Mixon run the ball. Was it 29 times? I believe he ended up with, he had a, he had a couple carries at the end for no gain, finished with a, a buck 21 and a couple touchdowns. Um, but they stuck with the run game, even though he had negative run, negative run, negative run. And you look up, Joe Mixon had the 20-yard touchdown run, 11-yard touchdown run, had a 19-yard scamper, had another, I think it was 18-yard run. So he had four explosive runs, 11 yards or more. Uh, And that's just huge. That's a game-changing. I mean, the one, he runs over Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is a big boy. 
Like he's a big dude. And Joe Mixon made him look like a little, you know, like Deshaun Jackson size or something when he was blocking out there and just runs him over. So it was uh, it was good to see the fact that and obviously Joe Mixon's the MVP. It was good to see him uh, get off and running and, and lean uh, them lean on him when they needed him. And another lineback behind Stanley Morgan for a touchdown. And in consecutive games, I think, unless it was a couple weeks ago, was the last time we saw that. But I, I thought it was against the Browns. And and so Mixon, congrats to him. He's over 4,000 rushing yards for his career. Has Great. a touchdown in four straight games. And the CBS broadcast pointed this out because I'm not going to act like I'm the stat, uh, you know, m- you know, whatever you want to call him, stat maven or whatever. Um, he's the first Bengals running back since Cedric Benson in 09 to run for a touchdown in four consecutive games. So good good for Joe Mixon. And uh, one more snap, uh, two, two other things. But since we're on the Joes, uh, Joe Burrow it threw an uh, interception in five straight games. Hadn't uh, not thrown one since you were in attendance in week four when it was the Jags and Bengals on Thursday night football. Well, he snapped that streak. So, so good for the Joes. Another unfortunate couple stats for Joe Burrow, not to rain on the parade because, you know, he, he oh. wasn't at his oh. best today. Really nice oh. touchdown pass to Jamar Chase that we'll have to talk about. Yeah. But the, the the fumble came back, and, and it's not necessarily all his fault, but he fumbled instead of throwing a pick. Again, yeah. not all his fault, but he did have a fumble problem last year, and we talked about, you know, the fumbles have gone away. They've been replaced with picks this year. So a little bit of the opposite this year. And I think I saw someone – tweet that this is his career low in passing yards which i don't know how much that really matters because they won the game and they were leaning on joe mixon in the running game but i i just thought if we're talking about statistical notes those two stood out to me as well but let's talk about the field james because the field looked awful we're going to talk about that a little bit and talk about some of the rest of this game here coming up next but first, I got to tell you about DirecTV Stream. Look, I know this sounds familiar to a lot of you. You've probably got one device that lets you catch the game live like you did on Sunday afternoon watching the Bengals. Another one that lets you stream your favorite shows. And then you got your sports highlights on your phone uh, and you're checking out that uh, Locked On Bengals Twitter account. Plus, you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, how about a world where everything is brought together in one spot where you're not juggling remotes, you're not juggling logins, and you get your on-demand favorites, your live events, sporting events, all in one place. Well, it's here. It's called DirecTV Stream. And it means you don't have to buy another device ever again. You're going to get everything in one spot. The best of live TV, all of your on-demand favorites together like never before. Get rid of the clutter. Get rid of the confusion with DirecTV Stream. All you have to do is go to, to directtv.com. It's directtv.com. Compatible device is required. Content varies by package. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. James, before we talk about the offensive line's performance and and some of the other details of this game, let's talk about the field in Vegas because Trash. it was noticeably awful. And I, I don't really understand how this happens when you have an indoor facility. And I know they're using grass. And so what what 
some people told me, some people during the game researched it, and UNLV, I guess, also plays there, but they use oh turf. God. They use turf. They don't use grass. So they swap them. So so they bring they in grass it? and they roll it out over, you know, whatever surface is left. Maybe they t- move the turf out. I don't know. But they they bring in the grass and, I mean, it certainly is as bad as the field they shared with the Oakland Athletics in Oakland. And I would go so far as to say, and I tweeted this, that it might even be worse than Heinz Field in November, December when they play high school, college, and pro games on consecutive days on Heinz Field. So, I mean, for for us, for, for people covering the Bengals, you, you, you're happy that nobody had an injury. Tyler Boyd left the field. He had cramps. He's okay. Trey Hendrickson left the field at some point, came back the very next drive, didn't look like there's anything lingering there. Joe Burrow got bent up, didn't show any signs of adversity in the second half. So looks like they've escaped without injury but man that field i i mean really like what's worse like heinz field is the only field conditions i can remember really being worse than an nfl game i've watched yeah it's brutal and the thing is i mentioned joe mixon explosive runs he had a couple where he just tripped yeah. where mm-hmm. they could have been explosive the the fake flea flicker i'm here yeah. for it by the way that was sweet and he just slips it, it's just like it's like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you know, the janitor just mopped the marble floor and he's running down the hallway. Well, you slip like that. And that's, uh, yeah, the field's brutal. And that's what you worry about is the injury part of it. You know, the deep shots to chase, right? You're like, oh, please, nothing happened. Uh, Joe Burrow running. And he, by the way, used his mobility a couple times today uh, to get first downs and and get uh, key yards. So good for him for doing that. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand um, a dome like that, that that's, you know, this, especially if you, you go by Allegiant Stadium and, and I've seen videos of this, obviously I wasn't at the game, videos of people driving by and you look at it, it, it looks like something out of Star Wars, but they can't get grass, correct? Think about that. It's just, that's it's 2021. It's not 1921, okay? F- figure out a way to get the grass right for your players, Raiders. Like that's insane. By the way, you know how people talk about the Bengals indoor. Could you imagine if they had an indoor practice facility and the grass looked like that? They'd get crushed. So, uh, yeah, the Raiders step your game up a bit there. On the other hand, you know, maybe no one would see it because it's a practice facility. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, the, the grass. I'd see it. You'd see it. Actually, you're right. I guess the media would see it. You're right. You're right. You're right. And then there'd be pictures and then it would. Fo- oh, my God. Dude, the yeah. cart went viral. Could you imagine if it was? Bald patches in the Bengals indoor practice facility. Anyways. So so we'll be thankful that, of course, the Bengals got out of the game without major injury that we're aware of and avoided a couple things that looked like they might have been injuries. And they don't have to play at this field again this year, which is great. Let's talk offensive line. We've got the PFF pressure numbers up. They had 35 pass blocking snaps in this yeah. game, James. And Riley Reef. I think if you watch the game, you would have noticed he was a primary culprit. 17% pressure rate, gave up six pressures on 35 snaps. That's pretty bad. Jonah Williams gave up four pressures on 35 snaps. That's the second most on the team. But here's a, a glimmer of hope. And I know the Raiders don't have the best interior defensive line in terms of pass rushing and they don't blitz a lot. But Hakeem Adenogy charged with just one pressure. Quentin Spain charged with just one pressure. Trey mm-hmm. Hopkins clean sheet and pass protection. He had his issues in the running game for sure, 
but zero pressures allowed, which is a welcome rebound for Trey Hopkins. And again, I, I know that, you know, Jonathan Hankins is a run defending, very large nose tackle type, and he isn't going to push the pocket so much, but we've needed to see this sort of game from Trey Hopkins to have any confidence in him going forward and seeing some of these glimmers from Trey as he continues to battle and, and rehab from that knee injury is encouraging. It is. There's no doubt about it. And the fact that uh, it, it seems like Akeem Adeniji building on uh, his debut and uh, a good second start. And I didn't really notice him for what it's worth. And that's uh, that's always a good thing for sure. And you're right. Like the, the edges, that, that was where we were expecting the pressure to come from. The Bengals, I think, knew that too. And that's why they did what they could in the run game to try to stay out of those third and longs but uh, and not overly rely on Joe Burrow. But hopefully this is the sign of something more. Trey Hopkins talked about it earlier in the week. It was was Wednesday or Thursday about how, you know, he was not satisfied. It was Wednesday because he said he was going to practice later that day. And he did. Uh, He wasn't satisfied with his performance. And it's a a balancing act. And it's hard for me to hold him to that standard at the same time. If the Bengals want to make the playoff, they make the playoffs. They need their center to play better. And he knows that. And hopefully today was the start of that, because if that's the case, Right. If Adenogy continues to to climb up and the Bengals really like him, I was talking to someone uh, before the game that was like, yeah, we, they just really like his attitude, his mindset. We, we've talked we've talked about his feet and everything like that. So uh, hopefully he continues uh, that upward trajectory. And if that happens and Trey continues to move forward and look more and more like Trey, then this offensive line could be all right, because I'm not really worried about the tackles. That was just a matchup based thing more than anything, I think. I think I'm worried like right tackle long-term right tackle in certain situations. Like when you're pure drop back passing and you're going against a miles Garrett or a max Crosby, Riley reef is going to be a bit of a liability, but he, you know, so, so is Bobby Hart and so are most tackles in the NFL at that point. Like he's not a lockdown right tackle. So am, am I worried about him on a game to game basis? Like, Oh, he's going to blow up a play. No, but if you're behind in the game script, you're down say 10 points. 14 points. It's the fourth quarter. You're trying to string some stuff together to get back in the game. Like we saw against the Browns, for example, early before the game got really out of hand. Then that's where, you know, you you can get exposed a little bit when you have really good edge rushers with Riley Reef. So long-term, I think there's something there where they'll need to address it, obviously, but I think they can also build around it. And they did figure it out in the second half. They they changed up their approach a little bit in the passing game in the second half. I think they protected better in the second half. And a lot of that's also they ran it better in the second half. Joe Mixon in the first half was just two and a half yards per carry. And I think I tweeted at halftime that like it felt like there was a lot more there and he was leaving yards on the field and they were leaving yards on the field as a collective rushing unit. Second half, 5.1 yards per carry. And 21% of his runs, according to PFF, went for a first center touchdown. So really a tale of two halves, I think, of the trenches a little bit. And the Bengals sort of made some adjustments and in the fourth quarter in particular, really figured it out. We're moving the ball quite well. And I mean, you go in your bag for a flake, a fake flea flicker after the, the play action and under center runs earlier in that drive worked pretty well. You're, you're moving the ball and doing well after uh, a lot of Bengals fans were really upset with play calling early in this game. Yeah, it was, I like that the that they stayed with the run. I liked obviously that they were able to find a way to get it going because it was such a a crucial part of that twelve play 
drive that chewed up six minutes, six plus minutes when it was 16, 13. That was the drive, right? You you said it. You were a little concerned. 16, 13. Well, they leaned on the run and heck, they ran it on second, I think a second and goal from the nine, and they run it for three yards. And I'm like, seriously, that's that's what you're gonna do. <laughs> like now you're in third and you know, third and goal from the six, and bro found chase. And uh, that uh th- this team hasn't won much this year without the explosive plays, like the real explosive plays, the deep ball to chase, the deep ball to Higgins, stuff like that. And uh, so the fact that they were able to do that today is a testament to them, and it shows discipline. And um, th- there's another word that I'm searching for here, but I don't know, So, but I can't think of it. So discipline is the one that I'm going to continue to use because that's, to me, there could have been some times where Burrow could have forced it into deep downfield and, you know, there was a couple times where he gave Chase a shot, but it, it just didn't work. Um, but he didn't. And that's why they he didn't have an interception. That streak was broken. And they were able to go downfield and, and put that to rest, even though uh, my guy, Evan McPherson, I guess we should talk uh, about him next. My guy, Evan McPherson, missed that extra point. So let, let's talk about my guy, Money McPherson, coming up next right here on Locked on Bengals. But I got to tell you about Built Bar because Evan McPherson needs a whole – box of built bars maybe 54 of them or five sets uh of that whatever the the number five and zero because he kicked four uh field goals uh, he's perfect uh on field goal attempts 350 plus yarders that is uh it ties a record and so built bars it's something that can fuel you whether it's post game whether it's post workout whether it's midday and you're just recorded locked on Bengals and you just need a midday snack. It is the number one protein bar on the planet. You hear us talk about them all the time. And whether you're traveling for work or you're just trying to get through the day-to-day and you want a healthier option, you could grab a Built Bar. High in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, covered in 100% chocolate, perfect for you. Check them out right now. Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. It's Thanksgiving week down in the U.S. of A., where I lived for most of my life before coming up to Canada. And you know what that means. It's a lot of football on Thursday, and nothing goes better with football than turkey and, well, betting. Betting. Excuse me. Bet Online has you covered. For all of your holiday season props, odds, and lines than ever before and remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head over to their new site. We've talked about it before. They've got an updated website, much easier to use. It's a little bit faster. It's nice. Go check it out. And when you sign up today, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code Locked On. And it's not just football. They've got Pro basketball, college basketball, obviously college football is your Cincinnati Bearcats. If you're a Bearcats fan are pushing to get into the college football playoff, they've got hockey, boxing, UFC, really anything you could want. So don't wait to take advantage of all their amazing offers. Again, that's bet online. Use promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. All right, James, let's talk kicker. Evan McPherson, massive day, missed extra point aside, 350-plus yard field goals. And that's that's pretty good. When he's in a dome, you feel really comfortable. Clearly, Zach Taylor feels really comfortable trotting Evan McPherson out there in a dome. I think in some outdoor games, maybe you don't see Zach Taylor kick a 54-yard, or maybe you do, depending on the wind conditions. But 
certainly taking advantage of kicking indoors. I, I don't know what happened on the extra point, but the guy has a very, very strong <laughs> leg, obviously. And it was very important for the Bengals early in the game, hitting 350 plus yarders instead of punting where the Raiders had some punts from that area of the field, maybe a few yards further away from the goal line is, is a big difference in the game. And when they weren't moving the ball on offense, which took them some time and it was really a very tight game because anytime you're just doing field goals with current NFL offenses and the ability to be explosive, as we saw with the Raiders going 75 yards in a minute and a half, the, the game is not out of reach. But mm -hmm. giving you that foundation early, giving you those leads early, put the Bengals in a position where the game script was going their way. And as you mentioned on Twitter, it's good to have that weapon in Evan McPherson. And we're not going to argue about the merits of drafting a kicker in the fifth round. We did that on Twitter plenty. Let's just be thankful for Bengals fans that the Bengals have this guy and he's able to make those kicks in a somewhat reliable fashion. For sure. Very reliable I mean... fashion today. Yeah, I mean, the fact that 54-yarder, and that could have been longer. I mean, this kid's going to break the Bengals' record of 57 yards. He's going to do it. It's a matter of when, not if, to me. And, uh, you know, if it like let's say this game got tight, and the Raiders, when it was 22-13, they go down and score, you know, or, or tie the game. McPherson makes it, and they go tie the game and go in the overtime. I would trust him kicking a 60-plus yarder in that, in those elements today because there weren't any, right? There's nothing to deal with, and he was just booming the ball. The ball was just booming off of his leg – or off of his foot, rather. And so, yeah, he was money. Four for four. Uh, I know I get it. He missed that one extra point. It's It was a a, a judgment, a, a bad judgment, bad – we lost his focus for a second, whatever it was. But uh, I, I wish he would have had a chance to get a, a, a fourth 50-yarder. That would have been cool to, to set the record yeah. – uh, tied the record, which is awesome. I mean, how many kickers can say that? I did Randy Bullock. I think Randy Bullock probably had, and I'm kidding because he probably had more than three, but it took him like three years to get three 50 yard field goals made for the Bengals. And Evan McPherson did it in one day. So, so the kid's special for sure. The the big difference is they're not attempting those kicks with Randy Bullock in, in past years. So, so having a kicker that they're comfortable with kicking those kinds of field goal attempts is, is big. Yeah. And I, I joke the same thing, like, oh man, if Mixon loses enough yards on this third down play, maybe you'll get another shot at another 50 yarder. <laughs> and then Mixon gained a yard and then it was 48, but he, all he had to do is go Damn. backwards two yards or get a false start on the field goal. But the Bengals weren't interested in playing those games and rightfully <laughs> so they, they got to take the points and get out of there. And so they did. And credit Evan McPherson for that. Also, while we're on the topic of special teams, fumble aside, Darius Phillips has some nice returns today. So shout mm -hmm. out Darius Phillips for, for a few nice he returns. Did. Chris Evans had a few nice plays in special teams coverage. And so despite the injury to Brandon Wilson, who makes a lot of big special teams contributions for this team, I thought it was a pretty good day in special teams overall. But let's talk defense real quick, James, here, before we get out of here, because the defense did have a bounce-back game despite – Mm -hmm. You know, the, the linebackers being up and down a little bit. Jermaine Pratt had some missed tackles, had some made tackles. I thought Pratt had a fine game. Logan Wilson, you know, not really playing at the level he was in the first seven. Let's use that number again. First seven games of the year, gave up a touchdown to Foster Moreau and tough spot for him for sure, but gave up the touchdown nonetheless. The, uh, the pass rush didn't really emerge until late in the game. 
I would say. And and then it did. Trey Hendrickson finished the game very strong. Sam Hubbard, again, continues to accumulate sacks, even though he's not getting a ton of pressures. But Sam Hubbard had a nice game in run defense as well. Uh, a few nice plays anyway. But the real strength of this game was the corners, I think. Eli Apple among them, making a really nice play to get an interception late in the game, sinking off of cover two to get into a passing lane. And I think he was just somewhere Derek Carr didn't expect him to be. When I first saw the play, James, I thought Derek Carr just threw that ball right at Eli Apple. What's he doing? <laughs> yeah. But Darren Waller was there running around behind him and, and Eli Apple got enough depth in his zone there to make a big play at a big part of the game. Yeah. I mean, it, it completely changed, changed the game. Cause then it's coffin nails as, as, Dan Horde would say on the Bengals radio broadcast, because you give your offense the ball back, you're up nine. You don't have to worry about that missed extra point. Cause I'm sure some were like, Oh, they're only up nine. Now the Raiders are a touchdown in a, uh, you know, a field goal away from winning the game 23, 22. Well, it didn't happen. And I think that's big for Eli Apple and his confidence. The fact that he was able to make that read uh, because look, he's, he's a, a first round bust. That's what he is. And he's trying to revitalize his career the coaching staff is behind him and fans and media have been critical of his play and a lot of it's rightfully so some of it not so much we we learned that that uh the touchdown he gave up to Donovan Peoples Jones certainly wasn't just on him uh so that's uh, certainly something to to mention but uh the fact that he made that play put the game away it's huge because they're going to be banking on him it's not like there's you know Vernon Hargraves if he gets in there for Apple it's not like that's an instant upgrade, like in an obvious upgrade, right? It's just not, you know, so uh, Apple's going to get playing time. They're going to be banking on him. And, uh, you, you know, the thing I was surprised about, we didn't see as much, at least I didn't notice him. Did you notice Trey Flowers out there a lot? No, but I, I don't Surprised know. Surprised me with I, Waller. I, it, I thought we'd see him like, against Waller a little bit. It, it seemed like they liked, they, I, I noticed they went three safeties a few times. I, I saw Ricardo Allen out there a little bit. Yeah. And I noticed that they had Awuzier at times on Waller and Bates obviously gave up a big catch to Waller, which when you're manned up on Darren Waller and, and you have time, that's just not going to go well for anybody. But um, I, I think they were treating him kind of like a wide receiver and, and didn't yeah. necessarily bring, you know, their tight end specialist corner, which is kind of how they're using Trey Flowers onto the field for it. But he might've been out there a little bit. Uh, I, I would say that the other play I want to shout out for the secondary, despite Darren Waller getting his, and, and they did give up some vertical stuff to Darren Waller. And it's just kind of how it's going to go with a player like that. Shido on the Zay Jones vertical, uh, yes. what was it? A second and one or something, third and one, maybe he forced them out of bounds essentially. Yeah. Yeah, he did a great job of squeezing the vertical route to the sideline, finding the ball in the air to take away any question of, of defensive pass interference because a lot of times if you see corners not look up and try to find that ball and, and continue to run through the wide receiver, that's when you get called for the defensive pass interference. But he did a good job, and they were just hand fighting and did a good job on that play. Overall, just targeted three times, gave up 28 yards. And Mike Hilton today, another one. We thought Hunter Renfro might be a problem. Mike Hilton was only targeted once in this game, according to PFF. And uh, that was a screen that he blew up in the backfield. So, yeah, uh, great, great job I don't from know Mike what Hilton. The hell, yeah, I don't know what the hell the Raiders are doing. They mentioned yeah. on the broadcast at one point, they, they weren't getting the ball to their receivers at all. Like, how do you not try to get Renfro? I, like, to me, Renfro would have had probably 
eight targets minimum coming into this game and you trailed the whole game. So what the hell were you doing? I beats me, but Darren Waller, Darren Waller bust. Yeah. I don't know that the Raiders had a great plan after the Bengals made their first adjustment. Like I thought there was one drive in the game where the Raiders got some free yards from scheme. Like they just had numbers advantages in the box there. There's a Josh Jacobs run where they ran with seven, seven men on the line of scrimmage against the six man box that went for, I think Jacob's biggest run of the game. And earlier in the game, they had a, a screen and a, another running play where they just had running or numbers advantages and they just got some free yards that way. But uh, yeah, don't really know what the Raiders game plan was clearly not a lot of rapport with Brian Edwards, who I thought might get a little more action. I don't yeah. know if we saw him targeted at all today and without uh, Henry Ruggs, it looks like the Raiders have a problem at wide receivers. So all in all, you take it for the Bengals. There's obviously things to get better at, things to learn from. It wasn't perfect, but a 32 to 13 win on the road is not something that uh, that we're complaining about. The Bengals six and four <laughs> have maintained a winning record for every week of this season. Is that right? They were, well, they were one and one. But yeah, they I mean, they've been 500. They've never been below 500. I forgot they were one and one. I thought yeah. they've won their first two games, which are correct. They lost to the Bears in week two. Oh, what could have been a season without anything but a winning record. But maybe the rest of the way, they'll pull it off. And we're going to be back tomorrow. It'll be me and Mike, Bengals Sands. We're going to do our film review episode. Until then, Bengals fans, day and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.